0: On Monday and Tuesday this past week, I had the chance to sit down right here on our, our chancel in the sanctuary with some of our, our preschool kids, actually all of our preschool kids. They came in one class at a time, and uh, we, we shared the Easter story. We, we talked about the Easter story together. I, but before we got into it, I asked them a very important question. And, and it's a question that, that Pastor Darrell Answered just a few minutes ago. Everybody loves a good Easter egg hunt. Everybody loves a good Easter egg hunt. So I asked him, I said, What's your favorite thing that you've ever found in an Easter basket? There are the answers you'd expect chocolate, jelly beans, eggs, stuffed animals, The, 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 the things that you would expect to hear. And then there were some that were, I'll just say, a little less traditional ice cream. (laughs) <laughs> soup, and my favorite of all, my favorite of all, corned beef. I want to do an Easter egg hunt at, at this kid's house. Uh, I, I invited uh, students after we shared kind of what was our, 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 our favorite thing to find in an Easter basket to come forward and to, to open an Easter egg, to open an Easter egg, and, and these eggs tell the story of of Easter, starting with Holy Week, or starting with Palm Sunday, and walking all the way through Holy Week to Easter. So inside the first, there's a, a figurine of a donkey or a colt, reminding us of Zechariah's prophecy, a humble king who would arrive in Jerusalem, announcing a new type of reign, announcing a new kingdom. So, of course, then every time that I said donkey throughout the rest of the story, what'd we do? Ee ah! We ee on every single time. So the kids love that. Next were silver coins representing how much Judas traded to turn Jesus in. Then a chalice because Jesus had dinner with his best friends that week. We, we talked about what we put in chalices what we put in cups there was water there was milk there was juice there were smoothies and one little girl raises her hand and says sometimes my mom puts wine in one <laughs> then there were praying hands because after the dinner after Jesus ate dinner with his best friends he went in to the garden and i reminded the kids that that we can go to God in prayer when we're worried, when we're scared, when there's things on the horizon that we're not ready for. And then the contents of the eggs, they took a a bit of a turn, and that's because, let's be honest, Holy Week takes a turn at that point. And it's difficult enough for adults to begin to comprehend, let alone three, four, and five-year-olds. By the time the second class came in to to hear the story, to open these resurrection eggs, I knew that there were some eggs that I needed to skip. But none of the classes shied away from the difficult parts of the story. None of the classes shied away from from Jesus' arrest, from Jesus' death. I shared that it's okay to talk about sad things that it's actually important that we learn how to talk about sad things. And then I asked an all-important question. I said, but is Easter a sad day? And what they shout back? No! No, Easter's not a sad day. There was one little boy who I think was in a a four-year-old class, and, and throughout the entire story he just shouted, Happy Easter Day! I asked him if he wanted to preach next week. Usually when we begin this week, we, we, we start on Palm Sunday waving our palms, singing, and it's a great celebration. It's an appropriate celebration. It's essential to, to the journey that we're on this week. But there's a second part of what happens early in that week that, for whatever reason, we, we kind of skip over. At least we skip over when we're thinking of, of Holy Week. At first glance, it's not nearly as fun or or nearly as celebratory, but it's equally as important. And it fits in well with what our Lenten focus has been this year. It's what comes next in Luke chapter 19, starting at verse 45, after the walk, after the parade and the weeping over Jerusalem, we read this. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now usually when we, we talk about the cleansing of the temple, um, we don't do it during Holy Week, we definitely don't do it on, on Palm Sunday, and we tend to focus on, on what caused Jesus to flip the tables, on, on what was happening in the temple courts that angered Jesus so much that he, he flipped them over. And it likely had to do with, with the church, to be honest, taking advantage of the people who were there to worship. But this morning, I want to I spend a few moments on what he says as he entered the courts. My house shall be a house of prayer. My house shall be a house of prayer. Now, there are all kinds of reasons we, we come to church. All kinds of reasons that we come to church all kinds of expectations that we bring with us about what the, the church can be, about what the church should be. And some of us become, come because our, our friends are here. Others come because we feel encouraged and, and encouraged along in our faith while we're a part of this community. Or we, we come because there's a, a program that that meets a need in our lives. So there's all kinds of reasons we come to church all all kinds of expectations that we bring with us about what the church can and should be what the church can and should do and on the flip side we have feelings about what the church shouldn't be right shouldn't be too political shouldn't be too narrow minded shouldn't be too nosy shouldn't be too involved it shouldn't be too loud Or too quiet, or as as Daryl prayed during our prayer of confession, too flexible or too firm to fill in the blank. So we carry these expectations, we carry these thoughts about what the church can be, what the church should be, and what the church shouldn't be. We we all have them. We can't help but bring them with us when we arrive at church together. And that was true in Jesus' day as well. And I I, I don't mean at all to imply that those expectations about what the church can and should be are wrong or are bad because they are definitely not. It's just a part of being human. We, We come to a community, we have expectations about what should happen there. But we can't allow those expectations to get in the way of what Jesus has for us. The folks who were there at the temple that day, they they had expectations. So did the people who walked along the road that Palm Sunday. Mark and Matthew, they they give us more detail about why Jesus was, was angry with the money changers. Why he was angry with those who were selling the sacrificial doves. And again, it comes back to people in the church taking advantage of those who were showing up to worship. But Luke but Luke is short. Luke is simple. He's, he's straight to the point. My house is a house of prayer. My house is a house of prayer. It's a, a quote from Isaiah 56, and when it's, it's paired together with the story, or the parade, I should say, of Palm Sunday, we're given a pretty good idea of what we are invited to do as followers of Christ, both during Holy Week and every single other week of the year. Luke writes that the parade into Jerusalem begins with crowds laying their their coats on the road. And for whatever reason, Luke doesn't mention the palms, but Matthew, Mark, and John all mentioned palms. In the first century Jewish mind, palms, they were a, a symbol of liberation. They were reserved for the Feast of of Tabernacles, which pointed toward the end times, pointed toward God making all things new. And Passover, which was the reason crowds were in Jerusalem in the first place that day, focused on sacrifice, focused on atonement, the forgiveness of sin. So the use of palms on Passover would have seemed odd. It would have caused the attention of, of people to kind of say, what, what is happening? This is different. Something else is going on. It would have stirred up all kinds of expectation. A couple years ago, when I, I walked along the road that at the very least follows the route that Jesus took into Jerusalem with my uncle, two things stood out. Two things stood out. First, as you, you stand on the Mount of Olives... Kind of looking down into the Kidron Valley, over into Jerusalem, no matter what twist or turn the path takes, you can feel the presence of Jerusalem. In most places you can you can see Jerusalem, but you can you can definitely feel that Jerusalem is there. Second, the road itself is really narrow. The road, the road itself isn't all that big. There were moments we were walking where a car would come and there was barely enough room to jump to the sidewalks to get out of the way. There definitely wasn't a two-lane two lane road. It's very, very narrow. It wasn't all that hard to picture people stepping out onto the road from their homes, from their, their shops, the places they work, after hearing or, or seeing the commotion. It would have gotten loud very quick. I imagine that as the parade pro- progressed, the participants knocked on doors. They waved people over. They said, hey, come check this out. Come see what's, what's happening. Even if they couldn't quite explain it all, they knew it was one of those events that was happening in their town that you did not want to miss. It's a great reminder for us to, to use what we have, the equivalent of our qu- coats, the equivalent of our our palms, the equivalent of our voices, the equivalent of our feet, to invite other people along the journey. Now Luke writes that somewhere along the journey, Jesus, he pauses. He pauses and he, he looks out at the city in front of him and he weeps. I've always wondered how many people actually actually saw Jesus stop and and weep in this this moment. It's not unreasonable to think that the crowd was so big that they couldn't all see him stop, that they couldn't all see him weep, and they just would have been caught up with the commotion of it all, and they they wouldn't have experienced it. There's a a somewhat modern church built along the path where many believe that Jesus stopped, and the architect designed uh, this church in in the shape of a, a teardrop. And in in the front of the church, at the altar of the church, there's a mosaic that you can see up in this picture, a mosaic of a a mother hen gathering in her chicks. The artwork points to Luke 13, a moment well before the Palm Sunday parade, when some of the religious leaders, they encouraged Jesus to, to, to leave Jerusalem because Herod was out to get him. And Jesus replied that there was more to be done in the city. There was more ministry to be done. That there was, there was more life to live. And that he couldn't, couldn't leave yet. And so he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how long, how I have longed to gather you together like a hen gathering her brood safely under her wings. If only you were willing. This time as he approaches the city and as the party stirs around him, he grieves, he grieves. He stops to weep, to lament a missed opportunity, to grieve what could have been and what was to come. His tears don't just remind us that lament is an important part of life, though it definitely is. They also remind us that it's important for our own hearts to break for the things that break God's heart. His tears are an invitation for us to weep over injustice, for us to weep over broken relationships, for us to weep over death, for us to weep over pain we experience, for us to weep over the pain that other people experience. Now, when something awful happens in in our world today, it's only natural to have the sense where we just want to do something. We just want to help. Anybody else have that experience? Like when, when something, when Monday, when that shooting happened, you wanted to do something, didn't you? Right? There's this, ah, I want to do something. I want to respond in that sense, that, that feeling of wanting to respond to do something, it's important and it's valid. And Jesus hitting pause here reminds us that lament itself is actually an action. It is actually a response. Weeping is doing something. Weeping is responding. It's not frivolous. It's not a pointless act. When we lament the truly awful things in our world, we begin to engage the heart that God has for our neighbors. We see them in new ways. We notice needs in parts of the world that we haven't paid attention to in the past. We're more kind. We're more patient. We recognize a stranger that we wouldn't have ever noticed before. Jesus weeps over both the people he knew well and the people who didn't give him the time of day. And we're invited to join him in that weeping. The parade processed into the city and then he made his way into the temple courts. And I imagine a lot of what he saw was what he expected to see. He had been there before. He, he had seen what had become of, of the temple. And I think... He kind of got there, and he he said, "Oh, it's still this way." And so he wept. The place of worship had become something it wasn't wasn't intended to be. It wasn't intended to be. So, later in that week, at some point, he he returns there again. I remember standing on the Mount of Olives, looking toward the walls of Jerusalem with our guide before he left. And, and let my uncle and I alone to walk down that road and, and toward Jerusalem. And, he, and he, pointed, he pointed to the Temple Mount, pointed to the Temple Mount, and, and he said that on one side of the wall that there were thousands of, of Muslims who gathered each and every day for, for the daily prayers. Every time there was a call of prayer, they would, they would go. And on the other side, thousands of Jewish people gathering to pray, to read the Torah out loud. And he said when Christians visit, they they do so, but it's a little different, and here's why. He said, It's because we should take Jesus' words from from Mark thirteen and, and Luke twenty seriously. At at, at some point during that week, Jesus and his disciples, they're they're leaving the the city. And the disciples were awed by the magnitude of the the city walls, the magnitude of the temple. Just awed by it all. And Jesus said, there's not a stone that you see in these buildings that won't end up in a heap of rubble. There's not a stone you see in these buildings that won't end up in a, a heap of rubble. And yet, it's within that heap of rubble that that he goes earlier and he said, My house is a house of prayer. The tears that he sheds on Palm Sunday pair well with the flipping of the tables later. Jesus isn't just protesting the commercialization of the temple. He's giving a warning one that was particular to the temple. In the same way that it had been decades earlier, the temple had become a public focal point, a public focal point that that pointed to a particular ideology. N.T. Wright points out that it stood for the, the unshakable promise of Israel's God. Wright notes that it was understood that if you're If you're in a covenant with the Holy God, disobedience doesn't simply prevent blessing. It calls down the judgment of a sorrowful God. The warning, the warning that Jesus brings is specific to the temple times, but it's an important reminder for us today as well. The main reason that we have focused on prayer during Lent this year is to remind us of what's most important. To our community, and to give us tools to connect with God as we share with one another. We can't help but bring our expectations to church, our hopes, our dreams for what this church should be and, and what this church shouldn't be. But we also can't lose sight of the one who calls us together and the one who says, my house should be a house of prayer. We're here to encourage one another on our faith journeys and to invite others along the path as we follow Jesus. So we walk together, we weep together, and we pray together as Jesus taught. Over the last two weeks or so, there's been quite a bit that's happened within our our own church family uh, throughout the country and around the world that should bring us to our collective needs. We've lost dear friends like Roy Schaub and Fred Penniman. They were here in worship almost every single week. We've had members of our community receive scary diagnoses, have surgery, begin recovery. We've seen tragedies like what happened on Monday. There's a lot that should be bringing us to our collective knees in prayer. So as we celebrate, and it's appropriate that we celebrate. So as we celebrate the beginning of Holy Week with Palm Sunday, and as we prepare to come to the Lord's table, I'm going to ask us to be a house of prayer together. Let's pray. Holy God, thank you for the celebration that's Palm Sunday. And for the walk toward Easter. As we journey through this week, we ask that you'd be with us, and that you'd give us the nudge to stop and pray as we see the needs and the hurts of this world. We lift up the families of Roy and Fred and give thanks for their faithful commitment to you and to Westminster. God, we pray for Bill Harvey, for Phil, and for Nancy. God, where where healing is needed, we ask that you would intervene and in the places where peace and comfort are needed. We ask that your presence would be felt in tangible ways. God, we lift up the families of the seven lives lost at the Covenant School last Monday. We pray for the church, for the school, for the pastor, and give thanks for the school headmaster and student who gave up their lives protecting others. God, you know our hearts. You know what's bringing us joy and what's weighing us down, and we we carry those things at the same time. So in these next few moments, we lift up our personal prayers of petition and silence to you. Lord, hear our prayers. Holy God, we pray all these things in the way your Son, the one who entered Jerusalem that Palm Sunday, taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation